so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Coming up later, surveillance cameras, video doorbells popping up everywhere. They're coming into use a lot quicker than the privacy issues are being addressed. I'll fill you in on what you should know. So my wife and I have a tradition that is very different than normal tradition. We both get, um, what's it called, SAD? That seasonal affective disorder, something like that, where the lack of daylight uh, really affects our mood and it's something we have to push ourselves to be active. So there's something people do so much in the spring by tradition that we do during the shorter days. We decide to go room by room in our house when it's not as much fun to be outside, when it's dark early and all that, and we go through stuff, and if we have not used it in the prior year, we decide to either sell it, give it away, or recycle it. So every week, we have a pile of stuff that either I take to donate, like recently I donated a lot of books that we had read before, that they're not important to us anymore, and I took them to a book donation bin and donated the books. And then I've made trip after trip to both Goodwill and Salvation Army to donate stuff. And then my wife has these sites she loves to sell things to, plus sell things through, plus uh, consignment shops that she goes to for clothing. And so we've been putting things out on consignment. And then there's a site for really nice stuff that my wife has, since I have nothing nice that I ever wear. It's called The Real Real that she posts stuff to sell with them. And so we use the time of year till we hit the spring when most people are doing it to get rid of stuff. And you can give stuff away. Um, You can get ready to have, uh, when the season changes, a garage sale or a yard sale or whatever. And there's also many Facebook groups for neighborhoods where you can post things for sale in your own neighborhood. So there are a number of ways. Some people, I think I think some of the next door groups, you can post things for sale. I'm not sure about that. But in some neighborhoods, people are really into using next door. But for all different kinds of stuff, there are websites now that narrow target specific things where you can post things for sale. And you probably have your favorites. So I want you to know that decluttering is great for your life, can be great for your wallet, and other people benefit. You know, they've always said one person's trash is another person's treasure. Make it happen. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. How are you doing? Hello, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Ron, you'd like to see better at a better price. Sounds good to me. <laughs> How can I be of help with that? Well, I've been trying to find, over, some, over time now, some contact lenses that are not so pricey. 
and I've gone to have my eyes examined, and you pay for your insurance pays for your exam, and then you uh, end up having to lay out additional monies for the contact lenses. And most of the time, they're so expensive, you can only afford to get maybe a six-month supply. And after that, you go back. Your insurance doesn't cover the balance of the year, which is the next six months, and that has to come out of pocket. So trying to find out if you might know of a place I might locate some inexpensive contact lenses. Right. Great question. And there are two sources that are known as, as the highest volume sellers of discounted contacts. And one of them is 1-800-CONTACTS. 1-800-CONTACTS. So on the web, 1-800-CONTACTS.com. And the okay. other is Costco Wholesale. Okay, Costco. Yeah, I'm a member there. Now, the thing at Costco is most Costco locations have an optometrist on location. Uh-huh. And the optometrist is not in cahoots with any of the uh, contact lens manufacturers, which is a concern you need to be aware of at many places that you go to have your eyes checked and a prescription issued for contact lenses. Right. Is that they may be pushing a particular contact lens that will cost you an enormous amount of money. And okay. that will not happen if you use the independent doctor of optometry at a Costco. What's happened with the contact lens industry is there was a lot of price fixing going on with contact lenses, and that seems to be falling by the wayside. So oh, okay. contact lenses had been a lot cheaper even 10 years ago probably even five years ago, and then the prices skyrocketed, and it was yeah, because of price fixing, and now that's peeling away one prescription at a time. Let me ask you this question now. I have gone, based on my insurance, and had my eyes tested this year, and the insurance company paid for it. However, I got a contact prescription document. Is there any way that I could take that to one of these locations and get them to fill that prescription? Generally, yes. There are some states that have restrictions on where you fill your lenses, but as a general rule, you're free to take that prescription and fill it where you wish. Okay, great. Now, one of the advantages that you have at Costco is they have their private label for many contact lens prescriptions, their Kirkland Signature, Uh and so those will be extra inexpensive. Oh, great. Okay, great. I'm going to give those two a shot. So it's 1-800-CONTACT.COM. Right. On the way up, and the other one was Costco. Exactly. And so you will hopefully save a huge amount of money, which is my goal. Edward's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Edward, I understand you went through a what they call a clean slate bankruptcy, a Chapter 7 bankruptcy about a year or so ago. Is that right? Yes, sir. Well, how may I be of service to you? Well, Clark, I've had no success at all in trying to generate credit since that time. Several times I tried to fill out applications to get a credit card and to no avail. I mean, I I get turned down every time my wife has tried. So it's just gotten to the point that I, I, I don't know what to do. Okay, so the reason that you're being turned down is if you've done a Chapter 7 you, right now, you're kind of radioactive to the credit card issuers, 
and you're going to be for a while to them. But are you a member of a credit union? Yes, and I got that from you. My wife had changed to her credit union, and I remember you mentioning the fact that it's better to deal with a credit union than a bank at this time. So the credit union may or may not offer what's known as a fresh start program. And if fresh start. Fresh start. And if your credit union doesn't have a fresh start, there's probably another one near you that does. And the way that works is it's much better than a secured card program. At some point, you'll start getting those mailers for secured card programs. But okay. what happens is the credit union bases issuing you a small limit Visa or MasterCard based on the money you have on deposit with the credit union. And then you just have to do a good job making payments on it. And usually, depending on the credit union, after six months or 12 months, they just completely give you an unrestricted Visa or MasterCard. Okay. Well, apparently, my wife's credit union at this point doesn't offer that program because we just went with went to them this week. And, and did you do a traditional application for a credit card with them? Well, we went asked to find, you know, the fact find. Okay. Well, the specific question to ask is, do they offer a fresh start program? And also go to their website and see if they do. And again, if they don't, there are a zillion credit unions in the country Go see if there's another credit union that has a fresh start program. Join that credit union and use it. Our main web address is Clark.com. And when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Josh has a question for me. Hello, Josh. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Josh. How can I serve you? Clark, I have a question for you in regards to negotiating a salary for a new position that I was just offered. My past two full-time positions, including my current one, um, I have uh, reluctantly not negotiated salary. I have vowed not to make that mistake again moving forward. And I would like to get your opinion on how to go into the, uh, the negotiations for, I've already been made an offer, let me put that out. Um, do I come in with a fixed number requesting what I want and is the number too much? Or do I try to remain more flexible and open just requesting that um, I, I would like to see if a higher salary could be offered? I don't want to seem overzealous. Um, with it, but at the same time, I do want to sell myself as being the optimal candidate for this position and getting what I feel I'm worth. And we're in a different era now. If you have a skill set and experience that's in demand, if you go back just a few years ago, employers had such an upper hand on potential hires and existing employees that people were afraid to ask for anything. But today, do you have a skill set? that if this employer says, well, if you're thinking you're going to get that kind of money, we're not even interested in having you, are you employable with your skill set elsewhere? I, I see, yes. And, and what I, I feel with the, the size of the company, the number of people, um, the, the field that it's in, the location it's in, it is a reasonable salary as it is. But again, and at the same time, I, I do... You don't want to sell company. yourself short and leave money on the table. Exactly. And I've always heard, you know, you never accept the first offer given. You always want to ask for more because if you feel you're worth it, you want to get everything you can. Well, there's a twofer here. If you can do some research online and get a sense about what your skills, experience, training should translate into in a salary that would be really favorable to you, it gets you, it gives you more confidence in seeking that and it gives you more credibility with the 
employer on why you feel you're worth so many dollars versus what they've offered. I see. see. And you can do it in a way, say, you know, I've really looked around and your offer to me seems very nice, but from what I've checked, it looks like this position should pay, based on my experience, this amount. So you're not saying this is a, a line in the sand. If you don't meet this, I'm not going to come to work for you because it doesn't sound like you're thinking that way. You'd like to work there. You just like to bump up that check a little bit. Yes, that's correct. So your language is very important in that negotiation. And so if you say it in ways, you know, I've looked and it really looks like it's more reasonable for you to pay me blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So you haven't said to them, pay me this. You've said, you know, I think you should probably be paying me this. So you haven't put painted them into a corner and then come back and say, well, you know, this is really what we feel this position's worth. Or, okay, we'll bump it up this. Exactly. And but I, I don't you, want to come in making it seem like I'm making demands for a specific number, but rather being flexible based on, uh, like you said, uh, the research that I've done to support my, my request. And that is, you just use the most important word, a request. That mm-hmm. if it comes across as a request, no offense should be taken. I will tell you this, if you ask in a very subtle, non-threatening way, and you get a hostile response, you may have learned something very important about whether it's a place you really want to work anyway. That's a good point. So go for it. Just do some homework. So you're confident that what you're asking for is, in fact, a reasonable dollar amount. Nate is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Nate. Hello. Nate, you have one of those dilemmas that's a good dilemma. (laughs) Thank you. What are you thinking? Well, right now, my wife and I can afford to put away $300 a month towards the replacement of a vehicle, or we could potentially finance a vehicle. And I've been listening to you talking lately about the great opportunities that exist currently with the used car market. And so what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, we have to replace the car in the next uh, two or three years, said the mechanic that, uh, that, that we trust. And so the question is, should we sack away the 300 bucks a month and, um, and then buy the car when, when we put that car uh, out to pasture? Or um, do we finance something now and capture the immediate low prices? What a great question. So how old is the car you have that's got a couple of years maybe of life left to it? Like 17 years old. Oh, go ahead and get a new car. You're okay. not somebody who's looking for an excuse to prematurely would uh, you know retire a car so you can get something shiny new. And you are specifically interested... In a car, not a SUV or something? Correct. So do you think you'd buy 17 years, you've earned the right to buy new, used, whatever you want. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, a used vehicle is better so we don't take that uh, initial depreciation hit. And then, you know, just a passenger car would do. And what brands are you most interested in? Toyota, Honda, they have, uh, they seem to have really good reliability. I have a Toyota also. It's been treating me really well for the past five years, and 
seems and, like maintenance is always really cheap on it. And here's something you may find that is surprising coming out of my mouth, but you may find that the best deals are going to be on the Lexus and the Acura in terms of was is versus what the prices were new three years ago versus what the passenger cars from Lexus and Acura will go for now with used vehicles coming back from leases because the luxury brands rely on leases more than the traditional brands like Toyota and Honda. Mm-hmm. So I would say look at all four labels and okay. see what's going to be the best deal for you buying used. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Recently, I told you about crimes that were being solved by the electronic doorbells that are proliferating all over the country. You take the doorbells, you take the very inexpensive security cameras that so many people are buying that start as as little as 20 bucks, and the police in many jurisdictions are now solving uh, burglary rings that they haven't been able to break before and uh, being able to get uh, solid, instead of eyewitness testimony, they're able to have with these ultra-clear digital images, they're able to have proof positive of who a perpetrator or a trespasser was. And so this is a phenomenal crime-fighting tool. There's also worries people have about uh, invasion of privacy, civil liberties, all of that. But the truth is that people feeling safer in their own neighborhood, in their own home, is a wonderful value. So listen to the next step in this. There are scattered police departments around the country that are now subsidizing purchases of particularly the doorbells that have the great video quality and the artificial intelligence built into them, if you will network with the local police department. And I think about in my neighborhood, a few years ago, we spent a fortune putting in cameras that are monitored by a central police facility. And, I mean, these cameras were big-time money. Now, when you think about the ability to go buy a video doorbell, I don't know exactly what you call them. Let's just call them that because I I don't want to just say – Ring doorbell, Nest doorbell, because those are the two that have the greatest penetration in the market. There are now many of these, but these devices, you can buy them as cheap as $49 on sale. I mean, you have to work at it to spend a couple of hundred. And these things are amazing with the quality of video that they record, your ability to talk to the person. So if you have people who are at your door that, that uh, who knows, they may be casing your business or your home to see if it's a good burglary target, and you're able to talk to them, they don't know if you're in the house or not, and they're terrified that you have said something. That's why there are these cute videos, I think they're cute, of people running away. So I don't know what to say about 
the people that are afraid of these things from civil civil liberty standpoint. But as far as dealing with something that is so fundamental, and that is the freedom of fear, where you put your head down at night, I think this is a great thing. Austin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Austin. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call on the air. Absolutely, Austin. So you want to talk about student loans. Correct. What's going on with your student loans? I have about $5,000 in a mix uh, left in a mix of subsidized and unsubsidized student loans, which I've paid since I left school as agreed. But I'm now in a trade school program, and my student loans automatically went into deferment. And I'm wondering if I should keep them in deferment and maybe make payments on the principal over the course of the next year, or if I should cancel the deferment and pay them as agreed. Yeah, if you are in a position to pay them as agreed, are you still working while you're in trade school? Yes, I am. If you're still working while you're in trade school, go out of deferment and just pay them. Okay. You know, if you've been paying as agreed, you even in deferment, you are accumulating interest. You know, on the subsidized loans, they continue to accrue interest during the deferment. Now, I'm trying to remember, if you are already out of school and you've been paying... I'm going by memory, but I think you do have interest accrue on subsidized once you're out of school if you go into deferment. Okay. I'm not 100% on that. I'd say I'm 90% on that. Okay. But regardless, if you're in a position to pay them and you sound like you'd love to be done with your student loans, absolutely. just take them out of deferment and pay. Okay, definitely. Then and that's what I'll do, Clark. Austin, what are you getting uh, a trade in? Because you finished I'm, school, now you're going to I'm, trade school. Yeah, I'm becoming an electrician in an electrical apprenticeship program. Fantastic. It's an amazing trade in a great industry. Wow. And what kind of electrician do you want to be? Well, it's an inside wireman program, which is a pretty broad license that I'll uh, leave the program with, but I hope to specialize in something which, you know, potentially like solar or something which I see as just exploding over the, you know, future years. Right. Well, how great. And guess what? What's that? I was wrong on the deferment on your subsidized loans. Oh, okay. So So you do not accrue interest on those. Okay. So if that's the case, would it be to my benefit if I can still make payments while they're in deferment, would it, it, it seems to me you know, that it would make sense it, then. It's such a low amount of money you'd be saving anyway on such right. a low loan balance. Uh-huh. Just, just knock them out. Okay. Just take it out of deferment. And yeah, think it. about it. You're going to finish school. You're going to have this new profession. Right. Your earning power is going to steadily rise. It's going to be great not having that debt overhang. Absolutely. That makes sense to me. Right. Well, great success to you in the future, Austin. Thank you very much, Clark, and thank you for all you do. Certainly. So, Jessica, how can I serve you today? Well, I I have a, it might be kind of a silly question, but um, I have a handful of credit cards and charge cards for department stores that I've had since I was 18, 20, you know, in my college days. And um, they have less than desirable or non-existent rewards. And I'm interested in a a fancy new grown-up card 
that has maybe some sky mile kind of thing, air travel. My question is, should I close all of my old cards or just leave them open and let them ride? I don't, I, I try do they, to Do any of them have annual fees? No. Leave them all open. Okay. And okay. as far as a new card, tell me how much dollar volume do you charge per month? Maybe about $1,000. Okay, so if you charge uh, roughly $12,000 a year, Mm-hmm. Don't bother with any airline mileage card. Really? Okay. Because the way those work is you need to be someone who like owns his or her own business and is charging sure. stuff all the time for the business or someone who just uh, yeah. does everything they do in their life on credit cards and racks up a lot of dollars and charges because really the, the airline mileage cards don't start becoming really productive till you have a charge volume of, I know it's going to sound like a ridiculous number, of about $8,000 a month or more. Right. So you're better off just getting a card that just gives you cash. Okay. Because cash is great. You can spend it any day of the week. They don't say, oh, we don't have any seats available on that day. You know, you, you got the cash. Right. And the market's so competitive right now that you can get 2% cash back on everything you do. Okay. Two's a good number. Yeah, okay. So let me give you a couple of choices. The most popular of the 2% cashback cards is from Citibank. It's the Citibank called City Double Cash Reward, I think is what they call it. Okay. And then another is, do you happen to have any investment accounts at the big company, the big investment company called Fidelity Investments? I do. Okay, then you should go to Fidelity because they have a 2% cashback card and people who are Fidelity customers, it's just ideal to have their 2% cashback card. Okay, what what makes it better than the city card? Because you're already a Fidelity customer and it just easily Uh, goes into, you can either put it into a Fidelity retirement account that you have, a Fidelity investment account, or a Fidelity 529 college savings account. Right. Okay, great. So it gives you the real flexibility and you earn that 2%. Okay. And then just, just lock the other ones up and, and ignore them? Uh, if and you could, them. I know I'm asking a lot of you, but if you could methodically, like once a year, use the major credit cards. I don't care about any store card. Use the major ones just for a quick transaction, a couple of dollars somewhere, so that they stay active in your credit mix would be really good for you in terms of your overall credit score. Brian is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brian. Hi. Brian, you're looking to travel. Tell me. Well, I've, I've noticed that every time that I go online to check an airfare, if I don't purchase the ticket right then, maybe I go to, want to check another airline's rate or something like that. When I go back, even if it's just a few minutes, the rate seems to have gone up maybe just a few dollars. And I'm wondering if the airlines have some kind of monitoring system in place to, you know, kind of gotcha if, if you didn't buy the first time. No, the problem is when you're doing a comparison and you're searching, are you looking at the airline's own website or are you looking at one of those multi, what they call meta sites like Kayak or Airfare Watchdog or Google's Flight Search? Or I'm actually looking on the, the airline's website. Okay. There's two different issues. When you look 
on the the meta sites, the multi-search sites, sometimes the information is old. When you're looking at the airline's own websites and you see a fare and then it's not there when you go to book, it is not a bait and switch. It is because the computer processing of the airlines generally is a little old. I'll tell you something really crazy. Google has a better airfare search engine than any of the airlines have searching their own fares. Wow. Google used the money it had, well, it has, <laughs> to go buy the backbone of the overall pricing system that is used by the air travel industry in the United States and in many other countries as well. And Google never promotes this. I think they don't want to upset the antitrust apple cart, but there is a little <laughs> hidden Google tool you can use to go search airfares that should give you superior results Wow! to that what like you'd find deal. in an airline's own site. And you can even specify if there's a particular airline that's your preference, you can narrow it down to that preference and be able to see only that airline. And Google's link for it is google.com slash flights, F-L-I-G-H-T-S. Great. And is there any truth to the story about buying at a certain time of the week, like Tuesday after midnight? Or Used to be that airfares were lowest on Mondays, and then there was some studies showing Tuesdays, and now, although airfares generally are higher on Saturdays and Sundays than the other days of the week, I can't discern a pattern anymore Monday to Friday. Is there one particular airline you enjoy flying? Well, I'm in a relatively small city, and so we don't have service from a lot of different airlines, so our choices are a little bit limited. Another search tool you should use is Kayak, K-A-Y-A-K.com, mm-hmm. which is uh, the most well-known of what they call the meta searches. But are you in a market served by Southwest Airlines? I am. Okay, Southwest is not in any of these databases I'm talking about. Okay. And with Southwest, they'll do fair alerts to you that they'll email to you when there is a special, and you can even make it market-specific with them. Wow, that's great. But I'll tell you, nothing that I have found, particularly for domestic travel, beats this Google tool. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Christy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Christy. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, Christy. Hope everything's wonderful in your world. Yes, it is. Love your show. Thank you. <laughs> so what's okay. going on with your daughter? You were trying to step up to be her advocate. 
right. Yes. Well, Clark, my daughter recently turned 18 this year, and we opened up her first bank account. Everything was going well, but two days later, her account was closed due to high risk. So um, I wanted to look into her credit just to make sure everything was okay, and it is. The only thing that we can think of at this point is her middle name is Isis. <laughs> and we wanted to know if we were going to have problems in the future, if we should change her name. Um, wait, wait, wait. Don't know. You, you think that, that the bank's automated system <laughs> saw that her middle name is Isis and decided that she was some kind of terroristic threat on the United States and closed her account? That's the only thing we can think of because we went directly inside the brand. Oh, well, that's not going to help because this is one of the four giant monster mega banks. And okay. so you went in and talked to someone who was a human when they got to work that morning. Right. They're a human when they leave name. in the evening. But in between, they are turned into a robot to a machine-based entity, and they oh. are not allowed to think or speak for it themselves. And that is the truth. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so that that is a wild story. So the greatest danger to your daughter is that mm-hmm. they put her in a database called Check Systems, mm-hmm. which would prevent her from being able to open an account anywhere for up to five years. She's 18. What I'd like for her to do is go to a credit union. Okay. And open an account at a credit union. Okay. okay. And there you're dealing with actual humans. She becomes an owner of her account and also the credit union itself when she opens mm-hmm. her account. But it would be a waste of your time to go to any of the four giant monster mega banks. In fact, okay. my belief is I don't know who ever benefits from going to open a checking account at one of the four giant monster mega banks. Okay. <laughs> And by the way, you probably took her there because that's probably where you do business. Right. It was much easier. Ah, easier is not always best. So Mm -hmm. your assignment is to march with her to whatever credit union she opens up at, Christy, and you open up an account at that credit union where you then become an owner and you dump the giant monster mega bank where the goal every day is to figure out how to take more of your money and go somewhere where the goal is to serve you. Okay. All right. And <laughs> that sounds good. I want you to hold on a minute, if you don't mind, because I'd like us to get information from you about this. This is such an unusual situation with her middle name. And if that is, in fact, the reason that the Giant Monster Mega Bank kicked your daughter out, that is a story. Saying just a second, please. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.